0: Welcome back to the Cock Ball pod. I want you look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, a.k.a. Fen, and I welcome you to this parish council meeting for N17. Joining me tonight is a man who claims that I have no authority here. It's Ash.
1: <laughs> Good evening, Tom. How are you doing? I'm
0: oh, very well, thank you. And alongside him is a man who hates it when we go off-piste because there are standing orders. Read them and understand them. It's Jules.
2: Hey buddy, how are we doing?
0: Uh, I'm good, but I've already answered that question. Uh, it's finally, the, the podcast resident outsider isn't actually here tonight. He's our very own Jackie Weaver. He normally sits in and polices the chaos. But unfortunately, he's going to have to sit this one out in the waiting room. Uh, so it's been a mixed week for Spurs. We finally did get a win against arguably the worst team in the league. But before that, we had a 1-0 loss at, at home to Chelsea. Ash, it wasn't pretty viewing, was it?
1: no. And I think I mentioned in the last pod that we had no patterns of attack. Um, I mean, our our passing is awful. Our dribbling was awful. So we really had nowhere to go once we picked up the ball. On the odd occasion that we were actually able to defend, I'm not sure anything went right in that game, Joel. Do you have any (laughs) anything to add?
0: Well,
2: you talk about patterns i think we have to do things a few times for there to be a pattern we we just didn't leave our half <laughs> like, there was no pattern there was there wasn't enough there wasn't enough occasions where we actually did anything for any for like any analysis we we just played like a team that didn't want to play football it was really weird <laughs> sort of rocked rocked up for a runabout but not to actually you know god forbid the ball came near us well you mentioned-
1: not getting into the second half. I thought Vinicius looked lonelier than an incel would know in Oh, no, they
0: they
2: were they were good. I mean, we said it in the build-up, didn't we? Tuchel's a good coach. Um, they've got good players. He's immediately come in and worryingly, he's given them more sense of structure and purpose and sort of uh, shape in three games than we seem to have from Mourinho now in... Uh, in a year and a bit a year and a few months so slightly worrying and yeah no I, I think we were all um very disappointed with that and, and social media was a pretty uh pretty toxic place to be um afterwards don't know what you guys thought but I was quite taken aback well, I tend to leave
0: Twitter <laughs> when we get results like that because yeah. there's no point feeding the fire uh which I tend not to and quite often, you can just by saying slightly the, the wrong thing you can just lose a lot of followers which are at our level I don't know, we're far too desperate. <laughs> I don't know about how you guys do games in of this podcast, but I, I will jot down a couple of notes on my phone as I'm watching. <laughs> I realise that I've got to half-time and I've, all I've written is slow and clueless. <laughs> this, this is not good material.
1: <laughs> um, well, I've gone the other way. I wrote a lot of stuff before half-time and then absolutely nothing after that. And we got Dyer who loses his head too often. If I'd have messed up in my job as often as he had, I'd have been queuing up outside job seekers by now. <laughs> Going into the dire incident and, and to the penalty, a lot of pe- people are making a, lot of, um, you know, making a lot of points about the amount of individual areas, uh, errors that we've made that have led to goals, which is fair enough. But it's got to the point where it's really starting to annoy me that people are focusing on that. Because when we're conceding as many chances as we are, errors are going to come into the game. There's only so often that a defence, especially with the players that we have, is going to be able to stay firm and um, you know, and keep your position out.
2: I think you touched on a good point there, though, which is when, you're, when the weakest part of your team is your defence, why are you relying on them? <laughs> why, are you, <laughs> why are you putting them in the firing line so much? Like, it's, it's a bit odd. I remember playing for a, um, for a very good coach who we weren't particularly dominant in the air we're we're quite a small team and he used to just say well (laughs) then we're going to press really high and we're going to make sure they don't have time to cross the ball because if if they cross it we're fucked so so (laughs) the the whole the whole aim was like press high make things scrappy and keep the ball on the deck because if they you know every team's got their weaknesses if they got the chance to put in proper crosses or to play sort of the channels high we were in trouble if you're in charge this Tottenham team is it not apparent that the best thing to do is to keep Eric Dyer and Ben Davies as far away from your your own goal as possible. <laughs> yeah. like, 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 they're not players who are good in those areas. So yeah. keep keep the opposition away as well. You know, Potts used to say, make the pitch small in the opposition's half when they've got the ball, and then make the pitch big when you've got the ball to to play. And there's a there's a bit of that kind of common sense which I feels I feels lacking for us at the moment.
0: So yeah, well because yeah. the, the more chances that you give another team, the more chance you are going to have of uh, a defender making a critical mistake, the, the way that Dyer does, the way that Rodon did in uh, the other week, and that, that led him to be him, him being dropped, and it's it's just an insight into Jose's philosophy, that he, he doesn't like possession football, because he thinks that, well, if you're constantly in possession, uh, you're more likely to make a mistake, because you've got the ball more, mm. <laughs> but we clearly, you can yeah. it, it goes the other way just as easily, and, and that's why I think his philosophy is fundamentally flawed. I right, yeah.
1: well, Cliff Wellsby asked us on Facebook, and it's something that we've had a long discussion about before. And I'm sure sort Jim of editing this is going to be really angry that we're <laughs> it again. But he he asked whether we'd rather win playing boring football or entertaining football, and I think that's sort of a lot of people for that. That's the crux of the Jose Mourinho in and out argument at the moment. But the issue for me. Is it wasn't that we sat back and that we allowed them to have the ball, is that we did nothing when we got it back. We just gave it yeah. back to them and over and over again they just kept recycling and coming back in some higher in space, even though we were playing really deep. Like the amount of space Mount had on the ball, if yeah. he was as good as people think he is, he, he would have put us to the sword. But thankfully he still got you know, he he wasn't on his best his best form. Yeah, I don't know. It, that's that's the issue for me. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's always the nature, I think. The nature of the loss is always what mm. really angers me, and it got quite a few uh, likes on Twitter, which is how we measure everything now. <laughs> after the Liverpool game, and I said it's, it's not necessarily the result, it's the nature of the loss, uh, and it's the same feeling after Chelsea again, it's just a bit, becomes a bit demoralising, you know, that famous Danny Blantrauer quote, I think it's on the wall of the tunnel, so every player sees it as they come out about, you know, the game is about playing with flourish, and we're Without that,
2: yeah, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you lose
0: a lot of joy. I th- I think was it? I I hate to give him credit.
2: Um, he'll definitely edit this part in. Uh, but I think Jim said uh, when when we were talking about this whole debate, and obviously I was I I was very anti Mourinho from the moment we kind of got him. But you guys were a bit more sort of you know if this is how we get trophies, then you know we need to adjust to that. And Jim said. Well, the one thing to bear in mind is that when you do lose playing Reno football, you then have nothing to be happy about, which is very true. <laughs> because, when we were, because when we were beating, when we beat United 6-1, this yeah. United like, ta- you know, tabletopping or one of the best teams in the league, United, no, no one was complaining that we were sitting back too much. But when you lose games and you're playing like that, then there is no, there's nothing else really to enjoy, which I think Correct. is really
1: hard. And listen, I think the way that I showed that most is, is, is you know, the, the, our football has sucked the life out of me so much recently where I've never found myself saying the words, fuck me, in an exasperated tone <laughs> as
2: many times as I did in that Chelsea game. It's You've just, been in a relationship for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just soul-destroying, isn't it? If we're not... If we're at oh, least not football again, goals. Yeah, back to the football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, honestly, no movement, no rhythm. I mean, yeah, let's yeah. play as well. Shit. What I, the one last thing I'll say on Chelsea and then we can leave that godforsaken game in the dust. I did laugh when I, I read Barney Rono's take on it. I think it was him on in The Guardian. He said that this Tottenham team have a truly unique ability to be outnumbered both out wide and in the middle of the pitch at the same time. <laughs> that that did feel very apparent. How did we... I don't know why, but it was like, as you said, Ash, well,
0: Suzuka is the reason. Well, that yeah, he's constantly he, the hindrance. He,
2: he,
1: he was actually his uh, a bit of pressing from him that really pointed it out to me was we had players that were pe- pressing individually. The best thing about our pressing under Pochettino was that we hunt in packs. Mm. What we were doing in the Chelsea game is that we were pressing individually, and not only that is our players seem to forget that you can press without diving in. So all the Chelsea players <laughs> had to do was just turn very slowly and they'd beat the press and be in behind us. <laughs> It was awful, but yeah, let's move on. I mean, ultimately, it took them a penalty to score, so maybe, maybe the depression of it all is binding our judgments a little bit. But anyway, we'll move on to West Brom. the um, The biggest difference or the biggest change was the return of Harry Kane, and we were a completely different team. Fair enough, it's West Brom, but still, how how did you see his impact, Jules?
2: I mean, it's it's obviously nice when when Kane plays because he is just an incredible all-round footballer and he kind of links us together and knits knits things together I thought we looked better against West Brom and obviously it's nice to win but we do have to bear in mind that this was the equivalent this was the footballing equivalent of like a dodgy boxing fight where the, the betting's like I don't know done through a very illegal bookie <laughs> and both boxes aren't really coordinated, and they've sort of come out swinging. It was not the highest standard. It would have been a, a, a dodgy, dark, like, I don't know, backroom in Portsmouth, this fight. This was not a, this was no Wembley, like, you know, dramatic lights, you know, high-quality stuff. But we we did go with a slightly more attacking setup, I suppose, you know, and, and Domblay was part of the midfield too, which you've always wanted, Ash, to see, yeah. see him playing in there. Um, and we did see, nominally at least, some attacking players off him. I mean, I don't know, Fen. How how did you find watching watching both Lamella and Mora on the pitch at the same time? Did your Did your fuse blow?
0: Uh, I mean, not properly because it was such a pedestrian pace walking to that win that mm. it it didn't. I didn't really have time to to get. struck at The fact that Lamella did eventually get booked. Weirdly, he gets, he gets better when he gets booked. Yeah, it isn't his first <laughs> game until he's booked anyway. But it, it was a common theme amongst some of the comments that we've been getting. A couple from Twitter, one from Abby Spurs, who <laughs> was sort of following up on a Saeed Hussain's comment about, you know, LaMena Le- really does divide our, our fan base. And to put it in Abby Spurs' words, uh, they either want him dead on Spurs Twitter or they want a statue of him. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I want either of those. I mean, he's a bit of a cult hero just because it's funny. The situation <laughs> well, that we find
1: yeah, when he called Wilshere a pussy, I think that's what. Makes yeah, sense like,
0: when he stepped on Fabregas's hand, like, it's funny. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good to see. But like, I've said it before: it, we should have sold him in January. Come the summer, he's only got a year left on his contract. Looking at his age, is he going to get better? No. Oh, his injury is going to get better. Arguably, can only get better, but they're not. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked pretty aggressive. And what I do, I'll give him some credit for his commitment. Is he'd, like you know, he always gives it hundred percent when he's on the pitch, but. Sadly, 100% is always good enough him from him. He looked good against West Brom. He looked keen against Chelsea. But is West Brom a very good yardstick, which is what a lot of people are saying? Arguably not. And I, that, That's the sad thing about this, is the next game will come on to City later. But you now want to have a mid-table team next to kind of see our progression as, mm-hmm. as an attacking team. <laughs> We're probably not going to get a chance to do that for a little while. No, I mean, the Lamella and Lucas conversation is one that seems to
1: have gripped a lot of the fan base and one that a lot of people want to have. And we got a request from Martin David Collier on Facebook. I'm not sure if you've had the chance to read the article from Rob Guest on on Football London. Um, It's it's basically about Lucas Moore and Lamella and the impact they had on the team. Martin himself described them as being all fart, no poo.
2: And he falls on that. (laughs) (laughs) Love it agree with martin and 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 i see exactly what he means in his in, in his kind of view of it i just think with these two players and maybe you know Martin, let us know if you if you'd agree with with this i think we've got a lot of players in our squad who look decent and can rack up a sort of a few statistical kind of boost to their numbers against shit teams but are not actually good enough to, to help us develop into being a top team i think we've got four center backs who all of whom could start for Newcastle or for West Brom, but none of whom could get into Everton's squad. I think we, we've got quite a lot of kind of like average players and then six or seven really good ones who who kind of light up, light up the rest. But that problem of having those guys there, I think they're hard to shift because mm-hmm. Lamella doesn't want to go to, to Watford. You know, Lucas Moura. <laughs> Lucas Moura. I mean, who wants to go to Watford? But, well, not in Ocean's ocean show anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and what a night that was. Um, but no, I think I, I think we've got a lot of average players. Who you know, again, Serge Aurier. Is he is he better than maybe what? Yeah, I mean, your your you're kind of your Fulhams have got. Yes, would he start for Leicester? No. So we've got a lot of guys who I think are kind of in the the tenth to 15th kind of ranking level and then six or seven really really good players elevating them and I think that makes it hard because when we play games like this the Meller and Lucas can come in and they can do a job but when we then go to play City I don't back either of them to be able to kind of mix it up there in that level like an Ndombele can or a Hojbjerg or a Son or a Kane to give you to give you a couple of examples.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest change, and you mentioned it, how happy I was to see Numbele playing keeper. <laughs> especially against, and I will we playing against the Sam Aladdici team, who sits back as far <laughs> as they can. But, um, yeah, having someone who can progress the ball forward from defence to attack and, you know, make the link between defence to attack is so important. When we play with Sissoko, he can only pass the way he's playing. Can't press, can't tackle, can't do anything. It's really important <laughs> to have that change. And I know our number ten was Lucas Moura, and to be fair, I thought he was had. He had one of his best games in the spare shirt. He was actually doing what he does best and just driving at the defense. If only he could learn to pick up his head every now and then. Well, he's, but that he's, was the biggest difference. When we get, I just wanted to say, when we get Delhi or the Chelsea back, someone else able to play in the ten, I think hmm. we would see a very different team and a, a far more potent team in, in the attack.
0: Yeah, Tony Cowley said that. Um... On our Facebook. Uh, he sent us quite a bit, didn't he? actually? Um, he probably did. the longest comment uh, we've had. So, sorry, Tandy, we can't fit it all in. I've picked out some few key bits. I want us to get it down to seven. But he did say we missed Lichel. and I think you're right, actually, he would have made a really good uh, impact on that game. And we also forget we've got uh, Reggie on injured. And if you had suddenly that, that pace down both flanks from fullbacks that are bombing on, we could have seen an absolute rout against. Um, West Brom, even with Lamella pulling the strings.
2: No, I, I think you're, you're both spot on. And I think, yeah, we are. I mean, Lacelso is a. I think, Ash, you said the thing is that he's he kind of. He, it's unfair to measure him by sort of traditional output because he's not a player who's going to, at the end of the season, aim to have 15 goals, 15 assists. Whereas I always thought Delhi was a bit of an output merchant, like Delhi yeah. wouldn't Dele wouldn't do something all game and then he'd get an assist or a goal. So at the end of the year, his numbers are great, but you're like, <laughs> but you don't you don't really link the players to ten. You kind of just you kind of, you kind of just, just get in the box. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that was his game. But but I agree. I think when you think of our team, we lack that little bit of craft in in the kind of areas where really good tens or eights, technical eights, can play. And those kind of areas, I think sort of um, City always used, don't they? They've got like sort of, they had before David Silva, but now it's like Bernardo Silva, their Foden's, their Gundogan's. Those players who receive the ball that little bit higher up comfortably, yeah. though, that's the kind of player which I think we're really missing. I think we're missing a little, a little craftsman in there to knit, knit things together. Do you think then Son has really suffered from having the right players around him? Like when he's got the right support structure, he's great. But without on overlapping around him and creating that width, which allows him to kind of to be more of an inside forward and without Kane sort of putting the bullets in the chamber for him to fire. <laughs> um, I, I always think like he he because he doesn't actually pick up the ball and just beat people that often. Like, like he's actually quite sort of quite conservative sometimes at certain moments. But then he needs the right people around him to have the kind of output, which at times we've got from him. Do you think that's fair that maybe, yeah, Reggion's absence down that left overlapping him had an impact?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Especially against Chelsea, you saw that in particular. He, he did essentially nothing for most of the game and then he had a good chance for a shot on the edge of the box, which he fluffed. And that was the only time that anyone ever really mentioned his name. I and mean, when you've got Davies behind you, you're not always <laughs> going to get that kind of support. That said, against West Brom, if mean, someone's clearly had a word in his ear, that, well,
1: you might yeah. as well.
0: You're not going to get hit on the counter here. He did his um, best
1: rugby on impression, didn't he, during
0: that game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. You're talking about perhaps supporting some maybe with a good eight. Don't disagree with that. But I could argue that Hojbjerg, out of nowhere, with that assist for Kane's first goal. Yeah,
2: great <laughs> could be the eight
0: we were looking for the whole <laughs> time. Be, uh, a little cushion pass into Kane for a little cushion pass into the bottom corner. That said, he, he scored that. And I don't know. If you guys noticed it, but I think something went to his head. He suddenly thought he was Pete Chavvy, and he was just trying to like (laughs) pull all these strings. And he started he gave the ball away like two or three times in the five (laughs) ten minutes period after the goal. And clearly, at some point, he's just gone. Stick, keep it simple. (laughs) I do simple good.
2: It is is curse of the centre mid. I promise you. As a centre mid, if you do anything nice you then kind of strut around for five minutes suddenly thinking you're god's gift to fucking football <laughs> and then you and then you like pass the ball straight out or you give it away and someone calls you a twat and tells you to trap back <laughs> and you're suddenly like yeah yeah, yeah back in, back into the job now come on back, in, back I don't out. think that's,
1: I don't that's, think nice. that's just restri- I don't think that's
2: just restricted to football either. I think mean, that's just in general life. <laughs> but yeah I mean Pieg though I think he's done it a couple of times this year he I don't think he's a technically outstanding footballer necessarily but he does kind of play I would say more progressively than I know if you you think of when Dyer used to play in that role for us fuck me I mean (laughs) there's a difference there in terms of using the ball um it might might not be it might not be Modric level but I think you're right then I think he's a he's he is a good a good player on the ball it's just that what we need him Mm -hmm. for more is his his leadership his work rate his defensive positioning and instincts yeah, he is a good footballer. He's He's got the other side to his game.
0: I can see potential in this Spurs midfield. I mean, it depends on people's philosophy on midfields uh, and, and how Jose wants to play with one. Um, but, you know, for me, I'd like a 6 and 8 and a 10 essentially, it is for me, the best balance. So you've got your six, is Hoybier. And then you've got Ndombele, he's your kind of eight player. He can do the box-to-box. He can sit in next to Hoybier. He can then go up the end of the pitch for a pass and come up with a few goals uh, throughout the season. So all we're missing now is just that good 10 to to really pick locks and pull the strings for ahead of a front three, or what should be. We talked about Luchel, so he can come into the team and do that. Or will see, unless it's Lamella Mark 2, which, you know, it could happen. I, I do see that happening, quite sadly, despite uh, what Ash thinks of him. Because we had this, we had that same excitement about Lamella. I'm uh, not, not sure I did. <laughs> I think... uh, well, I, I did when it was our like, record signing. But I don't think Ali can really necessarily... If Ali can add that to his game, then yeah, fill your boots, play 10 every week. But otherwise, we're a bit short there.
2: I think Fenn... Then... You know, good point, and I'd and I'd agree with that balance. I see Lo Celso more as personally that that eight, so someone to maybe compete or rotate with Ndombélé. Like you need a good squad to be able to compete. I I can't help but sometimes look back and as much as we hate him now, when we think we were so close to signing Bruno Fernandez mm. and the kind mm. of sort of WD40 esque effect that he has on that United team, <laughs> it is that is exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? It's it's a, a goal scoring, creating a bold ten who who's got that bit of movement and that little bit of guile, I guess is is what is what we lack.
1: Can you imagine how much football Twitter would have hated us if we had Kane and Bruno Fernandes winning and scoring
2: penalties? Who would have who would have taken the pens? Kane. Surely Kane. He's got, got a be. ball round there. Oh, we I might have been able to get
1: uh, Bruno would have been on free kicks so we might finally have had someone. The tell Kane to piss <laughs> off for, for a free kick. Yeah, I want to speak a little bit about, about Kane and Kane's impact. I mentioned it at the start. The reason I say that is because we've got a comment from Alfie McClory asking why is there so many so-called supporters who want Jose Mourinho out when it, in 18 months when Poch got five years? Let's be honest, Poch picked up the team in a very different position and drove us to heights that we haven't seen in our lifetimes, number one. Um, I don't think we can compare the two at all. And Jose Mourinho, I, I support the club, but I support whatever manager's in, in charge. That doesn't mean I'm going to be happy with it at all points in time. I'm going to have my opinion and I'm going to share it, whether you want to listen to it or not. Um, so here we go. The reason why I don't think Jose Mourinho has displayed his talent as a very good manager for us is how crap we've been when Harry Kane isn't on the pitch. If you're relying
0: on one player to
1: pick out the passes and to have the impact that Harry Kane has, you're doomed to failure.
0: Don't don't necessarily disagree. I'll probably add to that maybe. Um, I don't know if you saw Sanchez's comments in the press today, and he was talking about how uh, what Kane's leadership does to the team and the dressing room, and it lifts the squad. And it's almost like they play better on the pitch because he's on the pitch, not because he is scoring goals, getting the assists, putting the strings, that there's actually, he has a rousing effect. And it's worrying that we can't, clearly the, the quality is there. If you take him out of that, the quality is still there. But for some reason, they can't bring up that those guts to, to, to play. Like It's almost like, oh, Harry's not here. He won't bollock us at half time if, um, <laughs> if I start hitting corner flags. And, I don't know maybe he has more of an effect and a, a, probably more one for Jules this is someone who actually plays the game regularly is that can, can there be a player who you play better because he is on the pitch not necessarily because they are doing everything
2: yeah absolutely there is um I think I think in all teams there there are those players who they both can inspire because you believe in yourself and the team more when they're there but there are also players who you play alongside and you want to live up to the way that they play. And you're a little bit worried of them thinking you're shit. (laughs) And I think, I think Kane's got a little bit of a and a little bit of a little bit of B. I also think he's, he's a really unique forward in the modern game. I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans, um, thanks to my brother who talk about how, how what they're looking for in a striker is like this, essentially this complete perfect forward. And he always says to me, like the thing is like, there's nothing wrong with like, like Lacazette and abamian have been good players in their time. But he's like, but what you're asking for is essentially Harry Kane or Lundowski. Like what you what you want is, <laughs> is a forward who can hold it up, bring others into play, somehow still gets like 40 goals a season, can pass the ball really well, works hard at all times, is fit every game. It's like there are so few of these players. So obviously we look better when we've got him. Like he he's... He's the complete forward, and that means that when he's there, he enables everyone around him to to lift themselves and to lift their lift their game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I still think that that just highlights the shortcomings of Jose Mourinho. On the match of the day, Alan Shearer said that we are an average team without Hurricane, and we are, aren't we? I mean, every any team would miss their talisman or their world class striker or, or midfielder mm. or whatever. But it's then up to Number one, the other players to step up. But, but number two, for the manager to have a plan. And if, obviously, having having a striker as unique as Kane, when you take him out, you need to change your your methods and your way of playing. And it's up to the manager to instil that in the players and to have that set up ready for that occasion, especially with Harry Kane having the ankles of, uh, I don't know how, what analogy to use here, but they're, they're <laughs> weaker than glass, aren't they?
2: So it kind of comes back to... What, what i was saying earlier though in response to that 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 article about you know lamella and and more and their kind of standard when you take kane out of this team and particularly kane and song god forbid they were both injured at the same time again after last year um <laughs> what is apparent is that we have six or seven players who are very good and the rest are actually not that amazing and mm-hmm. that's and that's something which i think when we talk about mourinho like i i didn't like mourinho for mourinho's appointment for a lot of reasons but I think one thing he maybe didn't anticipate coming in was the level of some of the players. I think he thought the likes of Ben Davies and Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez and Suzoko and Mora and Lamella. I think he I think he thought he could coax things out of these players. He could take them to new levels through his kind of shithousery and man motivation. <laughs> and they're not more motivated. The style seems to be left in the dust by, by football's evolution. And these guys are just not that good. I just think, I just think he's, he proves that he's taken over squads with just better groups of players, in, in particular in comparison to like, other clubs. I think, mean, you know, the, the Premier League's so competitive now and he's just in a position where it's a bit, you know, if you put Guardiola in charge of Burnley, how much could he get out of them?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, bringing it back to the, to the West Brom game, um, the emotions surrounding it and the emotions that we had before and following the Chelsea game, et cetera. I don't know about you, but I was never so calm watching a game of football. Not because I expected to win, but because I, it, reminded me of, uh, it reminded me of waiting for my GCSE results. If you expect failure, <laughs> Anything better is just a positive.
2: <laughs> Indifference in wow. was your was your was your mental state then, Ash. Yeah, I don't know how, how to describe it. But there's that emoji where it's just a straight face, and I think
1: that is how I sat through <laughs> the
0: whole game. It was more like you know the upside down smiley face, yes. yeah, or like that um, that gif of that cartoon. He's just sat in a house fire going, "This is fine." Yeah. <laughs> That's how it feels watching Spurs at the moment. I, I felt emotionless after the Chelsea game. In yeah. fairness. Uh, it was definitely the acceptance stage of grief. Um, <laughs> I think I'm still firmly in it. And although the West Brom result did lift my mood, obviously it was nice to see us actually dominate the team. Um, yeah. I mean, going back to Tony Cowley, uh, who I might come back to uh, as we go on, he's given us so much. Uh, he, he referred to it as papering over the cracks and I mm. don't know whether that's potentially a step too far, but like I say, it, West Brom is is not the best yardstick. That said, it's absolutely fantastic seeing Sam Allardyce and Sammy Lee back in the dugouts I've forgotten how comical it was to see them work particularly that Sam Allardyce throwing that he attempted to take I genuinely thought he was going to take it and I genuinely thought the referee would just play on
1: I aspire to have that much joy in defeat.
0: <laughs> I,
1: like <laughs> yeah.
2: I think he's being paid pretty handsomely to lose matches though like look at it that way he's uh I, I think he's in a weird position because that squad is not a Sam Allardyce squad. Like, like, they didn't, they haven't really reshaped it. So he's got a lot of players who are used to playing attacking football at championship level, who he's now trying to make into Burnley, but, I don't know, his version. Um, so they look almost as mismatched as we do. But, they, but they've actually got a couple of players there who I feel like we always have the chat, don't we, about, you know, from clubs which go down, is there anyone you'd take?
1: Um, I mean, that, their strike at the end, yeah. I know he was offside twice, but he. Elite, he elite did level score.
2: shithousery from Sanchez. Yeah, to only because Sanchez yeah. put him there.
1: That was, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people have mentioned the defence, um, you know, the, the dire, or the lack of dire effect. I'm not sure if Tony was one of them. But Sanchez was actually, he had a really good game. He was really smart in the way that he marshaled Diana. In those positions, he was always made sure his, his body was on the right side to make sure that Diana was offside.
0: You know, if well, no, Dyer was there, he would have probably gone, I've got to stay goal side of him. I'll constantly stay goal side of him. And then by taking that yard to do that, he yeah. play play everyone on side. Yeah. So give Sanchez some sort of credit. But yeah, Tony Cowley did kind of touch an eight. But though he thinks that Spurs' best centre-back partnership is Rodon and Tanganga. I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I agree with him on that. We
2: go, we go from one kind of... Uh, uh, Big aggressive advance forward uh, to 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 an English version in Dominic Calvert Lewin, of course, uh, at Everton. So that's going to be a, a, a similar style, but Calvert Lewin's uh, in, in good form and he's having a bit of a breakthrough season. So he'll be uh, he'll be quite quite a challenge for our centre backs.
0: They're one of my favourite teams to watch at the moment, Everton. I don't know why I just seem to have ended up watching quite a lot of them. Um, I've got my lead supporting girlfriend, so I see <laughs> a lot of leads, which is great. Between Everton and Villa, they're probably the next two teams I actually like to watch the most because I hate Liverpool. City yeah. is City. We can, It's so predictable watching them now that they're just going to walk away with it. Well, it doesn't bode well for next week. But that squad that Carlo Ancelotti's got is surprisingly good in terms of the depth. We talk about how Lamella and Mora come on against Chelsea in particular and the impact that they had on the game was largely minimal. It was just a little bit more aggressive. But you know, if they've got Andre Gomez and Decore in midfield and they can rotate in Tom Davies and they can rotate people like Bernard and Sigurdsson around them and plus you've got Richarlison up <laughs> like front. Allen is yeah. a very Alan, good yeah. sentiment. And yeah. they can rotate these players in and out and it doesn't really affect their results too much. And that's why they're a fantastic team to, to watch, but it doesn't bode well when they can rotate those sort of players into an FA Cup tie.
2: They've got a weird, um, a weird team because they have all centre backs, all centre mids, all centre forwards. They have <laughs> no, no wits. Like if you look at them, it's like they often play a back four of ex- of all centre backs. Like it'll be for a while. It was Holgate, Keane, Mina, Godfrey, and I know they bring mm-hmm. in Dean occasionally, but essentially it's four units at the back. Then midfield, you just listed there, they just have exclusively all-round good centre mids. <laughs> they play in some kind of setup. And then up front, to, to, to sort of complete the physical structure they've got, Calvert Lewin's one of the best forwards in the air in the division, if not in Europe. Richardison is another one who's very good in the air and has a similar kind of presence. Mm. And then Josh King is, is a pretty direct forward as well. And they've obviously got Iwobi and Bernard who can offer a little bit of craft, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to be physical. I, I think they're a very, they would have been a great 4-4-2 team back in like the 90s, wouldn't they? I fancy
1: myself a bit of a clairvoyant and I can just envisage it now. Hamas Rodriguez is going to come in drifting off the right. He's going to find himself in the left, left position. We'll be playing Dier at centre-back. Hamas Rodriguez is going to whip in across from that left-hand side. He's going to go over Dier's head onto Calvert Lewin and we're going to lose 1-0. That is, mm. Does
2: that not just sound exactly like what's going to happen? Is that not the the goal that we conceded on the opening day of the season? Yeah, except for most it of it not playing, that was a free kick? Yeah, but it's, it's that same unfortunate <laughs> thing of that lovely left peg he's got, um, that cultured left peg. Mm. No, I think Hammers is going to give him that little bit of guile, and yeah, I, I worry about Calvert-Lewin in the air, but but I also think he's just going to bring not not him so much, but that team will bring a lot of like bite to to the middle part of the pitch. Mm. I think in our opening day they were they were first every 50-50 like, between Gomez and Alan Decore they were they're all huge lads and they can all play they they can bring a bit of everything. So I worry about how we'll try and combat that.
0: It's frustrating really because Everton have historically always been like they've been brothers in arms they've essentially been the northern branch of Spurs because they've just <laughs> yeah. been bottlers whenever it comes to it and like a cup drought and They've always been a nearly team, a bit mm. like we were. And it's very sad for me now to see see it fly the nest finally and look at that squad and you think, oh fucking hell, <laughs> they're going places here. That, and and they can build on that. And mm. you know, it's kind of it's kind of good to see with a tear in your eye, but at the same time, you're thinking, Oh, fucking hell, we've got them in, in the cup midweek, and I can't really see a way.
1: No, I, th- I think we can do everton. I think the game is one and last in the midfield, like you said, they're they're mostly central players. But I think you can get at their defence. It's it's not as um, as solid as as one would hope. And Mina, he's great uh, from set pieces out at winning the ball in the air. But he, you know, he's a defender you can get. at. Don't get me wrong. I'd have him over die any day of the week. <laughs> but I think I think he's someone you can get at. Um, and if we if we can break through the press in the midfield and get the ball forward quickly and effectively, I can see us causing them a lot of problems.
2: I agree with you, Ash. I think Mina's a good player, but. He can be a little rash. There's yeah. a little bit of that Colombian fire and fury through right that this <laughs> <laughs> And he, uh, he, I don't know. I think Harry Kane's someone who, if some, if a centre back tries to sort of nip in and get a bit too tight and a bit too aggressive, mm. he can kind of slip. He 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 can do something a bit devious, a bit you know, pull away and find some some pockets. So maybe that's our way forward. But I, I definitely more in Fens camp of. I'm worried about a 2-0 loss than I am feeling a somehow cup run here. So go on then, what do you think the result's going to be? 2-0
0: loss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Magic of the Cup will score, but it'll be a false dawn 2-1 loss. (laughs) I'm going 2-1 win. But a year does end in one as well. But I think what really puts us back is it's pretty obvious now that Carlo Ancelotti is a vampire. And this is a nighttime (laughs) game. So we might have to do something with the floodlights maybe replacing it with UV bulbs.
1: Speaking of not being human,
0: we've got to try and deal with Phil Foden up next.
1: How do you see that going, Tom?
0: Not, not well. <laughs> <laughs> That's my cutting edge football insight. Normally I, I write down some notes as to what I think might happen. I haven't bothered because I'm just <laughs> not looking forward to it. We know what's going to happen. We can disregard the West Brom result because we, I think what we should do, and I don't think it's wrong, we should set up exactly like we did against them the other way round, a reverse fixture where we we did sneak a, a win. It it could happen again. It's the only way I can see it happening again, and I, I, I'm scared. I, I barely sleep.
2: I mean, they've just got the ball by the horns now, don't they? They're kind of really motoring towards the title. Mm-hmm. That was a that was, ten wins in a row. That was that was a statement win against against Liverpool, um, and yeah, you mentioned Foden. Uh, Ash, I felt like that was one of those, you know, sometimes a player has a game where it kind of makes the world sit up and take notice a bit and be like, shit, shit he's really good now. He's yeah. no, this, yeah. this is no longer potential. This is like just just an elite <laughs> player. Mm-hmm. Foden has hit that that level. Um, and I think his he he's got a surprising turn of pace, which makes him a really weird player. because I think people expect him to be a kind of tricky ten. But when the tricky ten can gas it away from you, that's that's a different <laughs> that's a different kettle of fish. That's, that's what I would there's have three to do. of them
0: as well. You talk about yeah. how brilliant City's eights are, and you think, ah, oh, you got to watch out for that tricky number ten, uh, and that one, <laughs> uh, and him as well. Uh, oh fuck it! Before you know it, you've got four of them, and yeah. they're almost impossible to defend against that sort of movement unless you were literally sat banked in.
2: I think it's the uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be painful. We're essentially asking for lightning to strike twice to 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 do the double over them this year. Mm-hmm. I think if we go out there and we at least show some willingness to play positively on the break, I fully understand. Like you sit yeah. here for your chance, but if when we get that chance, we get players up and supporting. Like I, I think if Kane looks to sort of drop into that hole and spin and play it wide either side, so long as that guy is making the run and there's at least one other player. On the camera shot at the time, then <laughs> I won't be so upset. Um, but no, I think I think unfortunately that's going to be a painful one, and they could they could they could really be after us. You know, we've been we've been right little pricks to them, um, <laughs> and they can you know if you're if you're City and you you're you're needing a bit of motivation, you're kind of on a on a roll. But how do you pep yourself up for another game where you've got to hit your standards, knowing that it's Mourinho and Spurs and that Harry Kane team? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be absolutely on it from the first minute. Go on, then. What do you?
1: What do you see the result being?
2: I. I fear for us. <laughs> I think. I, I. I hope City stop at three. So I'll go for that. I'll go for a, a three 0 loss. Um, I'm
0: normally the positive one. Spurs of late have sapped any life I had out of me. I'm concerned with Juraj thrashing, like you say. Like we haven't actually been stuffed by them for a while. Probably not since like. Federico Fazio got sent off <laughs> um, those sorts of days So, but I'll try to be a little bit more positive and maybe we can have a one-all draw if we ride our luck, if the fine margins go our way You mentioned the life being sucked out of you by Tottenham recently and the positivity being sucked
1: out, 4-1 I think we're going to lose 4-1, they're, they're going to do us. Mm. Well let's have a bit more fun and positivity before we come to a conclusion we had a request from Sia Masia, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, uh, over on Facebook and she wants to know if you're in a dance competition and your opponent was Serge Aurier, what Tottenham player would you pick to battle against him? I'll start with you Jules
2: (laughs) (laughs) What what a way to put me on the spot. I reckon a little bit of K-pop from Sonny because he's got the (laughs) handshakes so he's got to have a little bit of swag
0: Tom, are you backing? Mm. Uh, we've talked about them a lot on this pod, and I think it would be only fair if we carried on. <laughs> There's a new Twitter account which just superimposes Lamella ball rolling over <laughs> any other scene. It's quite funny <laughs> if you see it. So clearly he's got a good turn on him, but I think the way that, the way that Lucas can dribble, or maybe and Ndombele can dribble, they'd, they'd be fantastic ballerinas. Well, hopefully that's cheered everyone up a bit more. So if Tottenham haven't sapped the whole life out of you, let's hope Ancelotti doesn't when he continues to recruit more blood for his research anyway thanks for listening we'll see you next time